0: to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are having an awesome, awesome, awesome start to your day. Oh man, this week's guest is Miss Demi McConkie. So Demi has had an incredibly profound impact on my life. Uh, She's my personal coach, uh, and we affectionately deem her as a sole purpose coach, and I'll dive into that in a second. But I've been working with Demi for the past two years, and I can trace a lot of my biggest realizations, milestones, and personal transformations back to the insights and shifts I've enjoyed while working one-on-one with her. So That should set you the tone. So if you've enjoyed anything that the podcast has created, if you've enjoyed anything that we've done as a group together, that's because of a lot of the work, the inner work that I've been doing with Demi. And we talk a lot about the concept of purpose on this specific episode. So what is purpose? Purpose is a fuel that gives meaning to life and it's the key that unlocks the motivation to act. Without purpose, there is no reason to do the hard stuff and no incentive to step out of your comfort zone. It's why exploring that concept can be one of the most beautiful gifts you can give yourself, but it's not an easy path to walk and that's not your fault because one of the biggest shifts that I've had in my journey is recognizing that the negative emotions, the fears, the insecurities, the judgments are just another side of the same coin. And without feeling those aspects, without understanding and becoming aware of those reactive inner critics, that fear-fueled self, which in this episode, we affectionately deem as the monkey mind. Without knowing how monkey mind works, without being aware of how monkey mind shows up in your day-to-day life, you can't actually become aware of your sole purpose, which is the other side, the heart that's connected to source, the wild, dreaming, big, loving consciousness that wants you to thrive through life and dominate and go out and create your mark and live in the most fulfilling manner possible. And so this episode is arguably one of my favorites just because, one, I get to flip the tables on Demi and dive deep into what soul purpose is, why purpose is everything to live a fulfilling life, how do you become aware of monkey mind, how curiosity plays a role in creating and experiencing purpose. We dive deep into Demi's own journey, whether it's in her role as a parent, her role as a coach, her role as an entrepreneur. And we dive a lot into courage and confidence and just a lot of things that we dive into in different aspects of the show. But in this episode, I just felt like everything came together because to me, purpose has been one of those prerequisites for success. I mean, I don't think that you become success and then you find purpose. I think you feel purpose and that drives you to act in a way that brings success, whether that's success as a parent, success as an athlete, success as a a student, success as an entrepreneur, success as an employee, whatever your version of success is, I think it all comes back to being connected to what purpose is. Purpose is a little different than passion. We talk a lot about that too. And so I hope this episode serves as a motivating push to start getting connected to what really matters most to you, to give you the courage to explore those things that might be scary to dive into, and to give you the push to just go after that life that you haven't experienced yet, but you know is inside you because that's where your sole purpose is guiding so anyways, hope you enjoy this beautiful episode. We have tons of links that can send you to Demi in the show notes, whether it's on Instagram at Wealthy Woman Now, or uh, you can discover Demi's uh, sole purpose work at WealthyWomenNow.biz. Uh, she's fantastic in so many ways, and I can't wait for you guys to experience her. So but before we get started, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes, on any of the podcast players. All that means is that you get a new episode dropped into your app. You can also head to uh, rajana.com forward slash stay grounded. Actually, while you're listening to this, go to rajana.com forward slash stay grounded and sign up to be in the Facebook community. Sign up to be a part of our email community. We're going to be sending a lot of amazing content and offers and things coming out for all of our listeners. Thank you so much for being here with us. This is just my way of giving back. And I can't wait to be on this journey with you to actualizing our soul purpose together. So anyways... Go to those links, check things out. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy the wonderful Miss Demi. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. Hope everybody's having an awesome day. Today's guest actually. Demi, how are you?
1: (laughs) I'm awesome, Raj. (laughs)
0: I'm usually not that speechless when it comes to guests, but I mean, you've been such a huge part of my life for so long now, and I can trace back a lot of the big breakthroughs I've had over the years to some of the work we've done together. And so I'm extremely grateful for you as a human being, but I'm even more grateful for the chance to turn the tables. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, yes yes i know i know it's it's, it's it, bring it on bring it on my friend <laughs> so.
0: i've already uh intro to you so guys if you didn't listen to the intro i'd go back and listen to it because this one's a really special one so i'm going to just dive in the guiding work that we've done together a lot and in a very large capacity alongside the work you do with other people is identifying clarifying And opening the pathways to experiencing your soul's purpose. So, I think a really great place to start for the listeners would be one to define what purpose means to you. I specifically said what purpose means and not soul purpose because I know that there's a lot of distinctions with the word purpose. And I know a lot of people have different definitions of what purpose might mean. Mm -hmm. So, for you in your life, what does purpose mean?
1: Yeah, well, purpose is the precipice of meaning. And without meaning, we're just doing chores. Everything's just a chore. Um, We grow by doing hard stuff. It's the hard stuff in life that brings more of the fulfillment and joy that we're seeking. And if there's not a meaning, if there's not a reason why you're doing something, then you won't have the motivation over the hump of hard to do it. So I think that's like sort of in a nutshell how I see purpose. And there's purpose in everything. I mean, there's purpose why we're doing this podcast, why we're having this conversation. There's a purpose in, you know, when I'm done here, I'm going to have a conversation with somebody else. There's purpose in that conversation. You know, what you're doing with this whole podcast, everything, there's a purpose behind it. The thing about purpose though, is it's something that we feel it's connected to our emotions. And so it's hard to put it into words and it's a good thing because you our purpose is connected to our emotions. Our emotions move us into action. And if we were motivated by logic, I always say we would probably wouldn't evolve as a species because nobody would have kids because logically that makes no sense. Nobody would start businesses and innovate things and take those risks because that logically doesn't make any sense. You have to, you know, right. put all of the risk up front and We didn't fall in love, you know, and do all these things that logically make no sense. So purpose is motivated, is is connected to our emotions. The emotional part of the brain is the limbic part of the brain. And when that is active, when we're connected to purpose and our emotions and feeling moved, our cognitive part of our brain is, is dormant. And that is where we access words and language. And so, you know, for most people, if they haven't done some work on this, they can feel what their purpose is much more powerfully than they can articulate it. But words make things clear. And when things aren't clear and that purpose is fuzzy, that's where we can sometimes get ourselves into not quite living authentically, living the life that we want, not living on purpose.
0: How do you bridge the gap between the, I guess, the two parts of the brain, the, the part that feels That's intuition. right? There's that intuitive sense of what's right for us. There's intuitive feelings that we might be more receptive to. We just haven't learned to trust yet. How do we begin to bridge the gap between these feelings that might have all the answers for our life's purpose or our life's calling or or just a better way to experience life with the articulation that might make it real for us?
1: So bridging the gap would be words. Words would bridge that gap. I think the best way is to not bridge the gap and not go into the gap. One of the things I think is really important to understand, I always say what it means to be a human being is to have uh, what I call a soul purpose heart, this, or, you know, an access to our soul wisdom, our truth, where those emotions and our purpose comes from, our most powerful navigating force towards what it is we really want. And to have what I call a monkey mind. We've done a lot. We've talked a lot about monkey mind. You and I together, because I like the term monkey mind. It's the same thing as reptilian brain, egoic mind, inner critic. It's all the same stuff. I like using the term monkey mind because in my work, I've come to see that it's not a bad thing. It's actually an essential thing. One, it keeps us alive. It's that part of the brain that senses a threat and has us not go running into the Arms of a you know big bear before we know what a bear is right. It's it cautions us. But two monkey mind plays this really unique role in in us realizing who we really are because it shows us who we are not. And if right. we didn't have that contrast to who we are not, if every day was golfing and going to the golf course and hitting a hole in one on every single tee. Your, your brilliance, your magnificence, all of it, just every single one, you couldn't know how brilliant you were. Mm.
0: It's almost like another word for, for fear.
1: So it's an old time Buddhist term that they use for the mental chatter in our head. It's that it goes around like monkeys swinging from, from vines of fear, doubt, and worry.
0: And that's beautiful. I, I think one of the biggest things I learned in our work together was none of my emotions are bad, right? Like, I mean, even the things you just mentioned fear doubt insecurities i mean those are all clues that can if viewed through the right lens give us a gateway to being able to understand decipher and express what that soul's purpose really is
1: you know i was actually contemplating this this morning i had an interesting dream last night and so i was journaling about it and i i have been contemplating a lot about consciousness who are we behind the all the chatter that's so prevalent. and I've been uh, I'm really fascinated by neuroscience because neuroscience explains the coaching process that I do, and it's just fascinating. And when you really look at neuroscience, you know, neuroscience tells us that we are more our patterns and our subconscious than anything else. Neuroscience says you wake up in the morning, you think you're choosing your outfit, you're wrong. It's the patterns. If you look at the brain, like it was a computer, we have the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind can process 40 bits per second. The subconscious mind, 40 million bits per second. Wow. Yeah. So that 40 million versus 40 is like, who do you think is going to win when you're choosing your outfit?
0: Oh my gosh. That's really powerful. How do you begin to leverage that? Like now that you, if you consciously understand the power of the subconscious mind, how do you begin to either access the subconscious mind, become more aware of the patterns your subconscious mind is creating. How do you go about actually becoming friends with your subconscious? I mean, 40 million, million—like uh, that's, that's a lot of computing power.
1: And you have to realize not all of that 40 million bits is based around fear. I mean, some of it is part of the reason that we don't have to think so hard when we brush our teeth every morning, when we walk, when we drive. You know, a lot of that is, you know, helping us. It's it, it, that 40 million is our autopilot life. But from the minute we have consciousness, what the thing that's really important to understand, and so how do you first ha- is in understanding this is that you have to understand where also part of that code is coming from fear, because from the minute you're conscious, you are writing code for survival to avoid pain and go towards what's comfortable. And that code is being written through reaction, not cognitively, oh, I get teased in junior high. Oh, don't write a code, internally code, that it's not safe to be seen in public, right? I, I don't think that I actually write a code that it's not safe for me to be seen in public. I don't realize it, but it starts playing out in my life. But the code is meant to keep us alive, we also are writing this code. You have to also remember part of the human species, homo sapiens, were the only human species. 100,000 years ago, there were six human species walking the planet at the same time. Homo sapiens are the only ones that didn't go extinct because one of our common homo sapien DNA codes is to come together as a tribe, as a clan. That's how we survived. So we have the genetic disposition to fit in. I would say our, our great and... Our great, great grandfathers and great, great grandmothers were the best of the best fitter inners, fitter inners. (laughs) What am I made up words? I like to make up words. And they also have the strongest of the strong monkey minds because those that didn't died. So we get that genetic disposition. It's how we are, have survived as a species. So great for survival, not great for thrival. And what you and I are talking about is thriving.
0: Why are you so interested in this?
1: I've been thinking about that a lot lately and I have always had this radical curiosity for why the hell are we here? Like you look at just this world and it just fascinates me and the body. I mean, the human body has always fascinated me. I was originally studying to be a doctor because the body just, it's like, it blows my mind about how many things could go wrong in the body and don't and the way the body heals itself. I mean, the And when I had my baby, it's like having it, I'm 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 making a baby, then I turn into a milk machine, (laughs) then I turn into, like, it's just, it's just like mind blowing, you know, all of how magical life is. When you really think of it, so much of this world we just take for granted and the body we take for granted. But when you really look at it, like, holy shit, this is amazing. I can't help but just be curious. I grew up in a religion that wanted to give me all the answers, but they didn't settle into my heart and soul. And in my 20s, I left the religion and set about my own spiritual journey. And that question just fuels me.
0: What does being fueled by that question feel like?
1: Awesome. Really awesome. It's fun, childlike, awe and wonder. And the thing, kind of to circle back to what we were talking about, that that what's the gap that I was contemplating and writing about today. And you and I have talked about this is genuine curiosity. I think that my definition of God is that God is a mystery and that's just what works for me today because I, I don't know. There's something miraculous here. Yes. I don't know what God is. I've never experienced I, this consciousness right here, the way, you know, the not knowing and the sensing doesn't actually know. So it's a mystery for me. But if there wa- if it wasn't a mystery, there couldn't be curiosity. If I just knew why we were here and I knew what God was and I knew what I was supposed to do here, then there can be no genuine curiosity. It's almost like genuine
0: curiosity is like a human need. Like if you're not curious, there's always something missing. Curiosity is almost like the North Star. At least that's what it sounds like for you. Like it's even the way you describe it, it's whatever you're curious about today What role does curiosity play in allowing you to gracefully navigate uh, some of the bigger questions about purpose? And am I doing the right thing right now? Am I believing in the right thing right now? When relationships come in and go and life starts to be life, how does curiosity play a role in the way that you approach it all?
1: Today, probably one of the biggest roles. It's probably one of the biggest game changers for me. I think I've always instinctually done this genuine curiosity thing, becoming more aware of it and its importance. And as I became more aware of it, I started to notice where the places that the genuine curiosity gets zapped. And it's very, it's monkey mind zaps genuine curiosity because monkey mind doesn't want you going out and exploring, you know, the unknown. It wants you to stay into what it knows, what's familiar and what's safe. Stay in that safe cave you know, so whenever I have a thought of, am I doing it wrong? You're doing it wrong. It's wrong. Boom. Curiosity is zapped. Any thoughts of not enough. I'm not enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough this. They're not enough. Any enough scarcity, not enough thought zaps genuine curiosity. Also physical, physical ailments. You know, if I am not feeling well, I'm not taking care of my body you know when you were sick or I have an ache in my back that's all I can focus on I can't it it really does zap the genuine curiosity yeah you know so so when when I think about the things that zap the, the genuine curiosity it helps me see the contrast of when I am in genuine curiosity it gives me almost instant access access to that flow state of consciousness you know there's um kind of a lot of discussion lately about flow states of consciousness where you can access more of your creativity. You can access more of your mental capacities in that state. It's that place where you can get into something I kind of call it like the wormholes, go into these wormholes that start to open up and you lose track of time and um, appetite and all of that kind of stuff. When gen- that's where genuine curiosity can take me.
0: Beautiful. All the things you described right now, Everything you just described was around almost like this feeling of playfully saying yes, right? Like whenever you have a fear or monkey mind shows up, you're essentially saying no to something that feels right. But saying yes to too many things can also be a detriment, right? I mean, that can be...
1: Actually, that was one of the things that I, like, I listed out five things that zap the curiosity and overwhelm was one of them, taking on too much stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I literally was just writing these out this morning, Raj. I was I had this I had this dream, and I was really thinking about genuine curiosity. I think I have my notebook here. Um, yeah, it was like pain of the physical body. I'm doing it wrong thoughts, or actually just doing it wrong because it could also be they're doing it wrong thoughts. Not enough thoughts. Uh, thoughts of injustice and overload of anything. And overload of anything could be food, stuff, projects, tasks, responsibilities, overload just kind of uh, sucks up that curiosity space.
0: So I'm curious now, the other side of, you know, I guess going through pain or going through struggle feels so good. Why does the mind do that? Why does it stop us from pursuing something that feels so good when you do it? Like pride, like pride's one of those emotions that I've always been really curious about Because the things I'm most proud of are the things that forced me to dig really deep, push really hard, try something new, prove someone wrong. I mean, all of these things that seemingly felt like an uphill battle going against monkey mind, going against my mind, I'm proud of. So why does our mind even create these battles or these hills for us to overcome if it's something that creates such a beautiful feeling of fulfillment? I mean let's talk about changing your life, right? So let's say you're in a really comfortable job, you're doing great. You want to go and start a business or try something new, but you've got these thoughts in your mind around oh, it doesn't work out, it's not going to do this. But if you go through it, you do it well and you win, you create this overwhelming amount of freedom, you create this overwhelming amount of pride and self for doing something hard. Or let's take the physical realm for that matter like I'm trying to get in shape and I haven't really been in shape or in a while. Going to the gym is hard. Waking up early to meal prep is hard. But then when you actually look at it three months back, you start seeing this amazing body and you're really proud of it and you wouldn't have it any other way. Same thing with relationships. I mean, there's so many instances where our mind stops us from putting in the work. Our mind stops us from taking steps. Our mind stops us from leaping when... Leaping creates circumstances, realities, and things that feel so good. And, and so I guess I'm just curious, like why does the mind stop us from pursuing things that give us that much fulfillment?
1: This is my assumption around that. I don't know that this is absolutely what it is or not, but this is what it, it seems like for me from my understanding of uh, my own personal experience working with clients, the The coaching process, how monkey mind works, and a little bit of neuroscience, is that your that amygdala part of the brain, your you know monkey mind that wants you to survive. It it's a primitive part of the brain. It only knows that you're in, that you're going to be surviving when you're comfortable. And so, anytime you go to something new that you haven't experienced before, that's going to sense danger. So, starting a new habit of going to the gym that's out of your comfort zone. It's new. You don't want to do it. What you want to go towards what's comfortable. So there's going to be that resistance there. But the more you do things, the more it's uh, your mind recognizes that, okay, I'm safe here. I can keep, I can keep doing this. And it becomes familiar when it becomes familiar. The mind becomes okay with it. I think pride is actually a monkey mind uh, food because pride is like, oh, okay, now I look good. I'm proud of what I did. I did something hard. A monkey mind's like, yeah, you, you're more likely to survive now. I think confidence is maybe the thing more to go towards because confidence is an understanding that you can handle something. Like I always say confidence isn't a prerequisite for doing, it's a byproduct of. And confidence is our ability to know that we can take on or do something.
0: That's beautiful. So if confidence is a byproduct of, it almost feels like courage is really the thing that we need to be cultivating. That's actually really interesting. And I, I love that distinction because I've never thought about pride as food for monkey mind or fear. Cause you're right. Like the, even the need to feel proud or say that I'm proud of myself, like it's a declaration back to confirm the confidence that you just built, right? Like it's, it's, it's pride is the byproduct of feeling confident. I've never thought of it that way. And I love that. So yeah. then if courage really is the, the key, the courage to change your life, the courage to say yes, the courage to leap, the courage to go to the gym, how does one build courage if they haven't built courage
1: before? Everyone has the capacity to be courageous. Everyone does. And when you're not encouraged, we have access to courage when we're not gripped by monkey mind. And so, one of my favorite tactics is to to get ungripped. And to get ungripped, you have to know that you're gripped. You have to have some clarity for and some distinctions around which thoughts are coming from monkey mind and which thoughts are coming from you know your soul purpose, guidance, and truth. If we're walking around, and most of us are walking around, they're so blended together and they brew up. A really good storm of confusion and anxiety and overwhelm, and all of that. Having the distinctions lets you know okay, this is uh, in this situation, I'm gripped by monkey mind. When you can see that, then you can work with it. The more you can ungrip from monkey mind to a certain extent, you can activate more courage. And that's why I always say, you know, the, the growth happens at 4% past your edge. Not 50%, because 50%, you're just gripped by so much monkey mind that it's hard to access that courage. So, you know, taking small, smaller steps towards success. I mean, that's one of the things that I do with clients that I work with. I have them dream bigger than they've ever dreamed and take smaller steps than they've ever taken before, because then you can cultivate more and more confidence in doing things that are just slightly over your edge. There, you can access that courage. You're not gripped by monkey mind.
0: I love that dreaming things bigger than they've ever dreamed and doing things smaller than they've ever done. I love that distinction. it's It's stretching both edges, yeah. like you're stretching your capacity to see, visualize or even the courage to do that, right you're You're stretching your ability to courageously think, even thinking something bigger than you've ever seen before takes a lot of takes a lot of. Uh,
1: you know what's interesting, Raj? I've never really thought about this before. When I'm talking to people and they've done something really incredibly courageous, I'll acknowledge them for, wow, that's really courageous. You know what? They almost always, they look at me like, oh, this was just what needed to be done. It wasn't courageous. Why is that? I have a theory on that. You know, I, mean, I remember experiencing that when I left the religion I was uh, raised in and I was, my whole world was this religion. And so all of a sudden I, I stepped away and I remember th- people telling me, I was really courageous of you. I said, no, it was just, do I want to breathe or not? I think that, you know, what looks courageous to others, when we are following the guidance of our soul truth in the direction of what we know, where we know we need to go, it feels like that. It's just what we must do. It doesn't feel courageous to us. It looks courageous to others. But it is just simply what we know. It's a knowing. And in that knowing, we have a, a certain amount of confidence.
0: What does that knowing feel like at its truest core?
1: I, I did a, a live coaching experience with a woman yesterday. It was really cool. I, it's on my YouTube channel. I, she is an energy light worker. She has this gift that she wants to put out in the world, but has all these beliefs about I'm, being, I'm 60 years old. You know, and my family of origin, the belief system that I was raised into doesn't believe in what I'm doing. And so she has this great hesitancy to fulfill her destiny of what she knows she's here to do. And she can feel that push and pull, right? And in the conversation, it was really beautiful. You can literally watch it on her face as she went from, you know, a gripping fear of monkey mind telling her that um, she wasn't good enough. And she, you know, her gifts weren't at the level they needed to be to put them out in the world to, I took her directly to her soul, which you have access to like that. I just took her like, I just took her there. It's going to, I've I've done this with you before, where we go right into, you know, you kind of realize that you're in your head, go from your head, go into your heart to take people into the heart, have them um, a person that they love and contemplate love for a moment. All that does is quiet the mind. And then we drop down to that place of soul truth. Everybody I've ever worked with, except for maybe two people in a decade of working with people can access it like that. Sometimes it's hard to access it if you had a lot of physical trauma and you haven't dealt with that trauma. So being connected to the feeling in your body is hard to access, but otherwise you can, you can access it in an instant. And what it feels like is home. That's what she described it as. It feels like home. It feels simple peaceful. It's in the stillness.
0: Space in between. Mm -hmm. Almost like every moment feels like extended. Like you have enough time to do everything.
1: Yeah. It always fascinates me too, how to watch that, that session that I did with her yesterday. You can, you can actually see her going in just a split second from being gripped into the head to, and, and what I loved about that, why I brought that up is she literally laughs. I asked her what it feels like and she just laughed She just, it was such a release of the gripping. What's beautiful about that demonstration is it doesn't take a lot of work. It doesn't take like years of work and, you know, I've got to go sit in a monastery for, you know, a lifetime. You can go there like that. And we all have access to it. And then monkey mind will grip us again, just like that.
0: Why do you think love is the antidote to monkey
1: mind? That is such a beautiful question, Raj. I love that. And you know what? I think that that question deserves more to stay in the question than me giving an answer to it. Like, I love that. Why do you think love is such an antidote to monkey mind? I love that. And I, I mean, for your listeners, I don't want to answer that for your listeners because I want to, I want to actually, the beauty is in the question of that. Love that. Actually landed in my heart very beautifully in the question of it.
0: Oh my gosh. What does that mean? Because w- the way you just received that was, was beautiful. I loved witnessing that. What does it feel like to hear something that allows you to just sit in it? Like, what, is, what does that mean for listeners who may not know what that feeling might feel like to hear something that resonates and instead of needing to act on it immediately or do something with that information immediately? Like, what does it mean to, to sit with something that resonates?
1: As you were Asking me that in that way, emotion started to kind of well up for me. And I found that curious. This is really interesting. When I get curious about something really interesting, I think it's pretty cool. And I don't have to have an answer. It goes into the mystery. And into the mystery is that place where if I let it stay a mystery and don't have to have the answers, because in the mystery, I can't do it wrong or right there's always enough. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I get to be the observer of this, of something unfolding. I get to, I don't have to be in charge. I'm not, um, it's, and and in that space and all of that, there things expand, breath expands, possibility expands. Even I feel like the cells of my body expand just a little bit, like less aches in the body. There's just such an, an expansion in that. When you ask that question, if I felt like I had to give you an answer, because it just landed beautifully for me. And I thought that is so unanswered of it is the beautiful thing. The question of it is the beautiful thing in that. I think all of us walking through life in any moment, if we can let things land into our heart and our soul, if we experience it more from our heart and our soul, rather than our monkey mind and fear, then there's these moments going on all the time. And if you can receive them as such, from that place, things keep opening up. And in the openness, you can receive more of it that way. And that is part of where I think practicing more of intentional living in this way and doing you know, doing some of the work to slow down your life, to come into stillness, to have a spiritual practice, whatever it is for you. I mean, my spiritual practice is awareness. Mm. It is, you know, I believe that when we become aware of anything, we slow down. When we slow down, we have access to things we don't have otherwise.
0: Mm. I love that. That landed really beautifully for me. I think we've talked about this in the past, but awareness is almost like my North Star. When I'm pursuing an understanding or something or a need to become aware of something, when I'm pursuing that truth for me, I feel at home. feel comfortable. I feel, it's almost like the more I know, the more I feel like I understand the, the, the less shadows are in this conscious understanding of what's in front of me, the more safe I feel. I like awareness unlocks confidence for me. Yeah. It unlocks that stillness and that stillness leads to everything. Like it's just that that moment being stretched out. I, I think and as you were saying, all of the things you were saying, having a spiritual practice and being very intentional. For me, uh, I was thinking about this yesterday and I was talking to a couple of people about this, um, about the role that gratitude and appreciation plays in my life, like a very consistent practice. Like I was trying to think of what's one non-negotiable that I have every day. You know, For some people it's exercise, for some people it's something movement or reading or visualizing. But for me, it just kept coming back to gratitude Mm. because when I find myself being in that state of appreciation, it pulls me out of my head and into my heart. Mm -hmm. It's like the ultimate cleanse of anything, any anxiety. It's that, it's like the anchor that pulls me into the present because then I'm in this mystery this mystery of not knowing and I'm not thinking about the future. I'm th- I'm not thinking about the past. I'm just appreciating being exactly where I am. And that creates that
1: stillness. That's something really, a little piece to the, the heart puzzle. Why is love such an antidote to monkey mind? You just said, you know, when I'm in gratitude, it pulls me all out from here into my heart. Mm. And that makes Perfect sense why gratitude is such a powerful practice for you because it, when you do that, it's, it slows down your world enough that you're not. Because monkey mind, the world of monkey mind goes fast. Monkey mind speaks first, he speaks loudest, he goes fast, he's go, 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 takes on more, takes on more. It's just very, and, and is operating from reaction. That's why when you have slow, when you slow down, you have access to things you don't have otherwise. When you, have, when you slow down, you are not living a life. So much on autopilot.
0: I mean, you are exceptionally wonderfully gifted at being able to notice when monkey mind is showing up. For those, including myself, who a lot of times confuse the thoughts we have in our mind with our identity or the feelings we have in our body as identity, how do we begin to decipher between what's truly soul and what's truly purpose and what's monkey mind?
1: First of all i don't do it perfectly i mean I, I I notice it quickly. I have some some distinctions that help me notice it quickly, but i I'm still very much human dancing with a monkey mind and a soul purpose heart very much day to day
0: I think that dance the imperfection of life that you you accept I think that's what I think is perfection that it's not necessarily you being perfect at it it's the it's the way that you acknowledge the dance, which creates conditions for you to dance in a very, very, very graceful manner when it's remarkable to me, which is why I said it.
1: I mean, I used to teach yoga years ago and I was at a studio that, that some of the teachers went, when you would walk in late, you would get this look because it was all about being on time and being pristine. And, and um, if you rolled out your mat really loud or a cell phone went off. It was like all these looks and glares. And in my class, I loved it when that stuff would happen because I said, like, no, why are we here? We're trying to, we're trying to practice mindfulness. It's one thing to be mindful with, you know, chimes in the background and quietness and peace, but try being mindful when a bunch of shit is going on and things are happening that are not supposed to be, this is your real gift here in this class is when that stuff happens. And I, that's what monkey mind brings to us. And I'm seeing this more and more and more. If we want to realize who we are, who are we behind our consciousness? There's no way to realize it without monkey mind. I had an experience two days ago. I was getting my kids. My husband's out of town. I have two kids, nine and three, getting them ready, loading up in the car. They were all dressed and ready to go. I'm finishing. The house is quiet go to put, load them up in the car. I go out in the backyard and they are on the trampoline with, drenched. My daughter got these water balloons that she wanted for her birthday, which is next week. And she had decided to use them that morning. And, and they were, they were just water balloons everywhere. And I had this moment, this, this little moment of pause. And they looked at me like their faces, they were just drenched and they look at me like, "Uh Oh, caught. It was adorable and hilarious and in that moment, I had a choice. I could choose to, but I was also, it was making me late. Now I had to go rechange them and everything. And I had, so I was really frustrated and it was adorable. And in an instant, I could choose. And I, I wish I could tell you that I chose to laugh with them and celebrate their playfulness. That's not what I chose. I chose to get angry and I shamed my daughter and made her wrong. And her already sad, wet clothes, I just watched her face get even sadder. It was so, so sad. I told her, pick up all the stuff. I'm going to get Jameson changed. And I took my son to, to daycare while she was stayed and cleaned up. And on the way driving, I was just getting sicker and sicker and sicker with the way that I handled it. And I realized that how I behaved wasn't in alignment with what I stood for. And because one of the things that I love about my daughter is everything about what would make her do that, right? And there's still a parenting moment to teach about There's still that parenting moment, but it was because of that, because I had that pause in that moment because I showed up in the way that I absolutely do not want to show up ever again with my daughter in that way that I clarified a little bit more what I stood for. And I, you know, one of the things that I'm really big on is you know, our sole purpose and all of our purpose, it's connected to our emotions. It's hard to put into words, but if we don't put it into words, it's not clear. And if it's not clear, it won't be a practical guiding force in, in my life. I had not actually written out in words yet what I'm stand for in in parenting Benny specifically. But I came home and I did it. You know, I I stand for, you know, raising her to be this and that. Because I guarantee if I would have had that written out in that instant, in that moment, I would have chose differently. And so I think that's seeing and knowing that if it weren't for my monkey mind activating and, oh, you're going to be getting angry at my daughter and going down that rabbit hole. I wouldn't have been able to know that that was not me. Mm. The only way that we can know something is through a direct experience.
0: Mm. And I think that's why everything we do in our lives has a place in the story we've created—the good, the bad, the things out of your control, the things in your control. I mean, life is a beautiful dance of going between your soul purpose and your monkey mind, and. And I think you actually has inspired me more to document and create that. What do I stand for? And not just because I, th- I think I've got, I've got core values mm-hmm. that define how I stand for how I want to show up, who I want to show up as, but those core values aren't always transferable to every role I play in my life.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: like, I mean, I actually read this really interesting. I heard this really interesting quote the other day, a guy, was we were doing a photography shoot and this guy um, was inspiring. Uh, my girlfriend, we were doing a photography shoot, we were in Italy. And this, she was kind of shy to get on the camera. My photographer said, oh, don't worry about it. You know, my comfort zone is your opportunity. So I'm comfortable here. Let me bring you into my place. It, and it reminded me that, you know, my fear where I'm comfortable is not where she's comfortable. Where she's comfortable is not where I'm comfortable. If that's true, then that comes back to the idea that unless you experience different avenues of life, unless you show up with monkey mind and taste it and experience it, you can't know what is right for you. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you, can't write, you can't experience life. So then the goal then is not to never be with monkey mind, not to have monkey mind. It's to act anyways not fear what monkey minds decisions the repercussions of those decisions it is to go with it but be aware of what happens when you do indulge in monkey mind and then make a choice after. But I would
1: really I would really say one of my first phases in consciousness was first understanding that I had a monkey mind. Mm, yeah. Because you can't use it as a tool of purpose if you don't realize and I mean in the first part of my life, I didn't realize that there was a separation when somebody did something that upset it upset me. They did it to me because that's what my monkey mind was saying. So that's what I that was my truth. I didn't really, I didn't understand that I had a monkey mind, that I had these two aspects of, you know, monkey mind and a soul purpose heart. And that's, I think that's a really important distinction in consciousness to be able to use it for a tool because in life we go through challenges and they'll either make us bitter or better and if we don't have a- an understanding that we have this monkey mind that is going to move us towards the bitter we won't be able to go towards the better right so our soul is nudging us towards the better the monkey mind is going to you know nudge us towards the bitter gosh
0: man i love this is why i love you this is why I love having conversations with you. I love, I think, I
1: love playing with you too, my friend. I,
0: I, I just love the ease and the the comfort. Like I feel very comfortable with this extremely complex, sometimes scary dance between monkey mind and and soul purpose. And the way you describe it just makes it feel so accessible for so many. And I know everything you've shared today is is gonna really help a lot of people. So. Demi, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you and all of you. Uh, you are amazing.
1: Thank you, Raj. I, it's, I, it's been so fun to dance with you. I think we've worked together for, I mean, we're, we're going close to two years now. And it, it's been amazing to watch you um, these past two years. And it's just been incredible.
0: I appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Thank you so much. Let's let the listeners know where they can find you. Anything you're working on, and just how we can all send love uh, into your life um, the way that you've been sending love into theirs and ours.
1: Mm, well, thank you. Um, yeah, I, my website is Wealthy Women Now. I do a few soul purpose events a year. So you can connect with me on social media at um, Instagram, Wealthy Women Now. Uh, WealthyWomenNow.biz is the website that'll have information about upcoming sole purpose events. I run a women's mastermind group where one of the messages, one of the things that we stand for in this group is Sacred Sisterhood. This is a group of women who have reached a certain level of success and are going to the next level of success, but want to do it differently. Want to do it within Sacred Sisterhood, being supported, um, being united. So I think that those couple things, I have a couple of digital products that'll be coming out this next year. A sole purpose uh, digital product, A my Miracle Paradox product will be coming out. This is to really, the premise of that is pain is your purpose and your message is your medicine. It's something really fun, and um, I'll have some videos on my YouTube channel about that.
0: So. Beautiful. Well, we'll make sure all of these links are available, guys. So don't you don't have to be scribbling these down as you're listening. Tammy, I had one last question for you. In the midst of everything you've been through, everything you're doing, and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded?
1: I love that question. It's hoping you'd ask me that. <laughs> I'm not always grounded. So I love the premise of stay grounded, return, you know, it's, it's a, it's like, that's what your message is, your medicine. I always say that, you, you know, my message is sacred sisterhood. I don't do it perfectly. So but when I have the message clearly defined, I can understand when I'm not. And that's that same dance of monkey mind. I'm not going to do it perfectly. So, but I have the message so I can see when I'm not. For me, that's one of the things I love about you too, Raj. I love your message of stay grounded. I really resonated with that. You inspired me It's probably a while ago when you told me how making coffee for you in the way that you do it is a part of your ritual to stay grounded. Um, I love that because my ritual of making coffee with my husband every morning was not staying grounded. It was like, rush, get the coffee. So it's finding little things and little ways to... So first and foremost, stay grounded. I have to recognize that I'm not going to stay grounded consistently. In my world and my disposition, I will get ungrounded. And so that's the first step is to wreck it for me, knowing that it's not a destination to be, it's not something I'm striving for. It's a place to keep coming back to, come from. And the awareness practice is probably my number one go-to to reground. You know, we do it at the beginning of every one of our sessions. I do it with every single one of my clients, do it as much for them, our session, but also for me noticing anything will slow us down. Any practice that, so to me, staying grounded is all about slowing down. You know, my I my coach that I work with, I'd always tell him, you know, you had me at slow down. That's what I need because I don't do it perfectly. But when I slow down, you know, I can come back to being so
0: grounded. Take a moment to just notice what's around you, what your senses are feeling, what your emotions are telling you, just what you're seeing, what you're not seeing, just Taking a moment. Yeah. Turn back to the now.
1: And if I'm really gripped by monkey mind, there's a saying, like this is my favorite axiom, is that you are exactly where you are supposed to be. I'll say that to myself. If I remind myself of that, I can then I can slow. If I'm in a something in an highly agitated state, if I remind myself of that, that gives me the ability to slow down in a way that can get me there.
0: Beautiful. I love that so much. Demi, again, I don't know how many times I can say this, but thank you so much. You are a gift in so many ways. And I'm so grateful that I got a chance to turn the tables on you and dive into that big, brilliant, beautiful mind of yours. And uh, I hope everyone else also uh, enjoyed this. But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your friend, Demi and from uh, Stay Grounded. We'll chat with you soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life.